0: welcome to what the farm podcast my name is rob sharkey i'm a farmer from illinois and i'm also host of shark farmer radio
1: and i'm the other co-host leslie kelly also known as the bug eater or high heels and canola fields a wife and a mother who lives and works in saskatchewan
0: yeah let's hope no bugs fly into (laughs) your throat today
1: the windows are closed
0: okay have you guys had snow up there in saskatchewan yet
1: no, but uh, in the mornings, I have to wear a bunny hug.
0: <laughs> All right. I don't like to hear that because I know our crops are nowhere near ready. So you keep that cold stuff no, up there, okay?
1: Well, I'm going to try.
0: Absolutely. I know we mentioned this last week, but a little bit of fun seeing some new ag podcasts come online. There's several several popped up. So it seems like a little uh, resurgence of ag podcasts, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, it's so great to hear other people.
0: Yeah, I know. And we get to pick their brain and steal their ideas.
1: <laughs> or I just get to make fun of you with them.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Hey, Leslie, I will let that slide because of the guest you got this week. Do you want to introduce Trevor?
1: Yeah, I am fan crushing, girl crushing. <laughs> I am so excited to have Trevor McBain. So he actually popped up on my Facebook feed when he was auditioning for American Idol. His audition gave me chills, and it was so good. So yeah, I'm really excited to have a former American Idol contestant who is also a goat farmer who lives in
2: Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. How you doing, Trevor?
2: Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: So where is Savannah, Oklahoma?
2: I am in the southeastern part of Oklahoma.
0: You never know what's real for a show, right? I mean, but you yeah. are a, <laughs> a legit goat farmer. I am.
2: I am a legit goat farmer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they seemed a little confused by that. In fact, was it Ryan Seacrest? I'm trying to remember. I think of the old American Idol, you know, with uh, Simon Cowell and, and Ryan Seacrest and that. But someone was actually hitting you up for, like, goat milk, whether it was easier to digest than cow's milk.
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like they thought I was supposed to be, like toothless and had, like, overalls and, like you know, like, four middle names or something like that, and the fact that I was, like, educated and wanted to pursue a career outside of, like, shoveling poop, they all were a little, you know, they were a little surprised by that.
1: And you even have the fainting goats.
2: Um, I have had them. I, they've crossed my path, just kind of oh. randomly, but don't, I don't have fainting. I raised commercial nigerian dwarfs and nubians
0: okay that's more of the meat goats right
2: well a nubian is a dual purpose breed uh meat and milk and then dwarfs are basically just the dairy version of a pygmy
0: okay i do want to get into the goats right because honestly one of our biggest uh, podcasts ever was was goat yoga but i mean we got to talk about american Uh idol right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah sure of course
0: Okay. You try it out. So this, to me, this fascinates me when people kind of step out of their own little world and try something different. Obviously you knew you were talented as a singer, but tell me about the decision process of actually going and trying out for American Idol.
2: Yeah, sure. I had just recently um, broken up with a band that I started in college and I had graduated Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, from whoa, my... whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. You, you got okay. to tell the name. <laughs>
2: Okay. The the name of the band was Consider the Raven. We were a Christian folk band. The name is derived from a a Bible verse in Luke. We were that for for about a year. I graduated from my junior college in Wilburton, Oklahoma, and moved to Oklahoma City to study at a contemporary music college. So one semester in... American Idol was doing their reboot. They had taken, oh, I don't know how long. They had taken a year or two off Mm -hmm. and switched networks. Anyway, they were coming to Tulsa, and it was like two weeks into my school. I wasn't going to do it. I just decided to do it randomly and skip classes on one Friday. I think it was actually my first time I had Friday classes in this particular class, and I skipped it. It worked out pretty good, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: What were the auditions like? you have to wait long in line? I'm thinking there's pre-screening involved.
2: Yeah, so I went to what they call an open call audition. And sidebar off of that real quick, about the same time that the auditions were going on, the hurricanes and stuff hit really hard in Texas. So we got, Oklahoma got a lot of people like traveling up up to Oklahoma to do the auditions because they had canceled two or three different audition cities in Texas. I got to the location in Tulsa about four forty five or five in the morning and there was already probably about three hundred people there and I think the line wrapped around buildings and there was, you know, probably a good thousand, two thousand people that auditioned that day.
0: You get to the point though where you're in front of the three judges. It's what Lionel Richie, it's Katie Pink, and it who's the other one?
2: So it's Katy Perry and Luke Bryan. What's the yeah.
0: difference? You know, Katy, Katy Perry, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right, but you get to that point, and all right, you're talking like you kind of did it, you know, on a whim almost, or maybe it wasn't a thing. That is a point that so many people dream of, to get to that point. Cameras are on. You're there in front of those three people. How do you hold your nerves together?
2: So in Tulsa, you do a lot of preliminary rounds before you actually make it to the televised celebrity round auditions. So I actually did three roughly rounds before I even got to the point where the celebrity judges, two of those rounds in Tulsa that day, and then one of them in Chicago for the executive producers. And then um, I actually did my celebrity judge round in New Orleans. Oh, I guess about two months after this. That day was absolute chaos. I was the first person to get there that morning, which was probably about 4 o'clock. I didn't get to actually perform in front of those judges until about 7 p.m. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was very, very rough. And those days are really busy. Lots of interviews, lots of recording, lots of questionnaires. You're in front of a ton of different cameras. I didn't eat the entire day, which was not very smart to do. I didn't get the chance to actually get in front of them until 7 p.m. They tried to get me in to be the last person to audition before dinner break, and I didn't come back in until 7. So, Mm. But also, it worked out pretty good, I suppose.
1: Your audition song, Colder Weather by the Zac Brown Band, was so good. How did you choose that song?
2: Well, first of all, thank you. I chose that one one, and another song that didn't get televised, I think it just came down to songs and artists that were going to be, you know, flattering for my vocal style. I had grown up listening to the Zach Brown band and that song is like their bread and butter song that everybody knows. So I was like, that'll be accurate. I also did a song called Parachute by Chris Stapleton. That was actually the song that got me on the show. They televised colder weather. I gave myself like probably a six out of 10 on that one of my capability. So uh, let me paint the picture for you. You're in this giant like storage facility for all the Mardi Gras floats in New Orleans. (laughs) And there's like machinery going on and it's really loud. And the acoustics in this building are just trash. And and they made like a little pop-up stage right smack dab in the middle. It's like 500 degrees in there and the acoustics are terrible, you're allowed to have a pianist accompaniment that they would provide or whatever if you didn't want to play or an instrument. And the guy was like 20 feet away from me, and the piano was facing the uh, the direction to where it wouldn't project the sound to me. And anyway, I had breath issues, and I couldn't hear very well, and it had been a really long day with no food. And so that was kind of disheartening to, to do it like that. Mm-hmm. But then I... um. Then I followed that up with my second song, and I just sang it a cappella, and that was when I got like a standing ovation, and they kind of lost their minds a little bit. But, but I don't know why they chose to do the um, colder weather song opposed to the one that they reacted a little bit more dramatically, I suppose.
0: You know, in those situations, it seems like everybody's coming in there; they want to set themselves apart. You come in and rocking the uh, the black. I don't know. What is that? Metro Amish look or whatever it is. <laughs> and here, you know, I'm thinking, all right, you know, he's kind of setting himself apart like this. He's showing that he's farmer. I really liked in a later time, they did an interview with you where you explained why you dress like that. Can you go ahead and, and tell us that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people associate solid black clothing and kind of the eeriness about it with, with mourning you know, with funerals and stuff like that, they, they dress in dark colors to symbolize their mourning. The reason that I dress accordingly is just to represent the past that I've lived through. Um, there's been a whole lot of really difficult times and a little bit more than just your normal human has had to go through. And so it's a, it's a representation that I have mourned and have went through these things. But I have lived through them and I'm still alive and I'm still hopeful that, or I have faith that things are going to continue to get better every, every single day. So that's kind of why I wear it. It's an embodiment of not trying to hide your path and what you've gone through, but grow from it.
1: So you have had adversity in your life and unfortunately your dad passed away a few years ago. Has he been the inspiration behind your music recently?
2: The music that I've been creating recently has been just through um, the most recent life experiences since American Idol, and I have more new music coming out really soon. So yeah, I, I carry him and I carry those things with me. I feel like he's always going to be a little bit of inspiration as far as my overall character with songwriting and with appearance and stuff like that. You know, you can't, you don't just shake that kind of stuff off, I guess. But yeah, I think it's healthy to kind of grow through that kind of stuff.
0: You're a younger guy, right? You're 22?
2: I just turned 24, actually.
0: Okay, so 24 years old. When you are going through these auditions, how old were you?
2: Oh, gosh. Um... They started in 2017.
0: Okay. So here's the thing, right? I I don't know music at all, but I'm uh, watching you sing. I mean, honestly, to me, everybody there sounds amazing because, I mean, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. But, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. they're going to try to nitpick stuff. And they're saying, you know, you've got everything there. You just need to let that emotion completely out. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, he's in his early 20s. That's a hard ask for someone that young to tap into so much emotion. Am I hitting on anything that's correct?
2: Yeah, so so something that a lot of people don't realize as an artist in front of random people is that you've got to be in this happy medium, this medium world of... Being an emotional wreck and tapping into, you know, the deepest part of yourself to create music and to create emotion. The other side of it is to be an entertainer and professionalism and stuff like that. And so as anyone in the music industry will tell you, it's extremely difficult to hit the nail right on the head as far as the in-between, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. That you're able to tap into your emotions, but also be the performer that is required. My very last performance, I personally don't think it was lacking emotion. I think that it was probably lacking a little bit of overall entertainment control to some extent. That was an interesting turn of events. The song that I had sang was about my fifth or sixth choice on my list. All the songs that I wanted to do before it, they didn't get cleared through copyright situations and stuff like that. Mm. And, And so, anyway, it was kind of a last-minute decision to do that particular song. So I don't know if that had something to do with it just in my subconscious or something like that, just because it wasn't my plan from the get-go. And and I don't know. I was really happy to end the show with that song because the writers of that song and the artist Kaleo, they're able just to tap into, they're able to translate dark topics and make them public. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really enjoy that.
1: And for those who might not know, what song are you referring to?
2: The song is called Way Down We Go. It's by a group called Kaleo. They're a Southern rock band. They moved from Iceland to Austin, Texas. Then they put this album out
0: and man, they're talented dudes. (laughs) I liked it. I thought the judges were wrong. I
1: did. It was really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of judges,
2: out of the three, who was your favorite judge? Oh, Lionel Richie, hands down. It's
0: one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah, he liked you, too.
2: Yeah, he did. I really didn't have any issues with any of the judges. <laughs> Katy Perry is the kind of person that either likes you or she doesn't off the camera, you know? And so she liked me really well. I don't know if it was the beard or the hat or what was <laughs> what was going on, but but she was a very sweet lady. Luke Bryan, you know, he has animals and goats and stuff like that at his house and we had to chat about his farm and his family and stuff like that. But Lionel gave me probably some of the most influential advice for the music industry. And he talked about working with Michael Jackson and talked about working with Whitney Houston and, and all these names that they seem like fictional characters to you know someone <laughs> from a little town in, in Oklahoma. It was very, very cool just to hear about all the work that he's done in his life and advice that he's given.
0: Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, I mean that yeah. song. That song will just always live forever. <laughs> just to have one iconic song like that had to be incredible.
2: Exactly, I'd like a yep. royalty check from
1: it. <laughs> I am enjoying this. This is like the singing, Rob. That's two times now, I think, in a row that we've been on air and you've sang.
0: Well, Trevor's giving me confidence. That's what it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I need some of that confidence.
0: <laughs> no, uh, Trevor. Here's the thing. All right, and I I know you don't want to get into our our lives of that, but I I mean I've heard a lot of bad things in my life. I've heard like air raid sirens. Oh. I've heard I don't know the worst sounds in your life. Leslie oh, no. singing is hands down the worst thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: Oh
2: no, that's uh, so sad. Um,
0: Tell me I'm wrong, and, Leslie.
1: And... <laughs> So you are correct. <laughs> I asked uh, my husband. I was like, "If someone were to say, like, what is the most embarrassing thing about me? What would you say?" And he said, "It is your singing."
2: <laughs>
0: oh no! Since <laughs> the show, right? I mean, you, you went on, uh, you, you made it, and then the judges said no. But what happens after that? Does your life just go back to normal, or? did it open up other opportunities?
2: I'd like to think that it opened up opportunities. A lot of gig opportunities helped boost my social media platforms. I think that life has definitely changed since after the show for the better. And I have a full-time band and I am able to be a musician full-time right now and just constantly growing just like everybody else in the industry. And, And so, yeah, it's, I think on an up tilt, definitely. But yeah, it was, it was very hard to transition. I was in LA for about two months and it was kind of difficult to transition back to real life,
0: I suppose. (laughs) So the two months that you were gone, was grandma taking care of the goats?
2: Yeah, I have a little brother that, uh, he was like 14 at the time. And so he helped out a lot. And then my Nan, she also helped (laughs) when she was down. Heck, I couldn't keep her out of California. I feel like she was flying out there <laughs> with different groups of people to see me. She did that twice. She was right there with me. She loved the spotlight. A woman in her 80s that had never been in front of a camera or big crowds or anything like that her entire life. And you put her in front of a camera and she's just natural.
0: She is looking pretty fly for an 80-year-old. She is.
1: How do you manage the balance between the
2: farm and your music career? It's very difficult. <laughs> um, so I I'm kind of a perfectionist type human with whatever I'm doing. And so I kind of joke around that I'm two different people. I am a gypsy musician that never wants to keep his feet still and I just want to travel and go 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 all the time. And then I am also a homebody hermit that wants to like build a wall around my property and just live with all my animals and a garden and all that kind of stuff. So the two worlds combining are a little difficult sometimes. So um, as my music career grows, my farm gets smaller and smaller. I think that's for the best for this particular season of my life.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the income levels of a farm? Yeah. If you can do oh, that, that singing thing, I, I think that's probably a little more profitable.
2: <laughs> yeah, hopefully. That's, that's the <laughs> idea at some point. <laughs> I just
1: have someone at my door.
0: Is it a stalker? You ever see that movie Taken, Trevor? This is what I feel like is yeah. going to happen right now. Listen, right, listen to me it. very carefully, Leslie. You're going to be taken. <laughs> Get under the bed.
1: <laughs> no, it was a food delivery, and then they took it away. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Run
0: after him. I'll talk to Trevor.
1: Well, I think, okay. I think he's right across the street.
0: Yeah, is it the Swans man?
1: No, it's one of those fresh food that they come and they drop off, and you make it.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. Trevor has been on American Idol. He's gone out to California for Hollywood for two months and all this stuff. He has been at the epitome of professionalism in entertainment, and now he's doing our show where you're running after a guy selling turnips. <laughs> She's left.
1: <laughs> no, I'm still here. <laughs> uh but I didn't hear what you said.
0: <laughs> did, you, did you get him? That's I'm more concerned about now. I did. Okay. Oh,
1: yes,
0: that's me. Okay. It's riveting, isn't it, Trevor?
1: So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
0: Yeah. Start acting mad. That'll really make her nervous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know much about music. Uh, and with being on the farm, what is your goal? How do you plan on being a musician full-time, or like, what is your goal with, with both of them?
2: So I'd say the goal is to just be able to make a living like everybody else and then be able to use my gifts as my job. I'm a man of faith, and I believe that God gives us gifts, and He sets our path for our lives, and it's our choice to either follow the path that He's given or kind of go rogue and hope for the best kind of thing. So I, I have a philosophy of just kind of shut up and ride a little bit as far as where (laughs) I'm being led, what I am doing. I honestly don't know what tomorrow brings ever. And so I just, I just kind of wait and I, um, I've never been without food or resources and I have a great team around me. I have show opportunities all the time and things are working out really, really well. I'm going to keep living exactly like that and hope for the best, I suppose.
0: But you're to the point where <laughs> people are coming up to you and they're saying, I mean, you're you're making a difference in my life. I, again, we're going back to, I mean, you're a young man from a farm in Oklahoma, and then you're mm-hmm. now to where people are coming up and saying that, you know, you're making a difference in my life. How do you adjust to that? I think that's maybe going back to more of what Leslie's question was. How do you go from a goat farmer to now someone that is actually inspiring and helping people change their lives?
2: Honestly, it hasn't been that difficult. I think that my raising and stuff like that has made me a very humble individual. When I get these stories and stuff of my songs touching people or something that I've said at a gig or something, you know, touch somebody's lives for the better, it's overwhelming and it really humbles me that first off someone would take the time to actually listen to something that I have to say being, you know, a 24 year old. It's something I'm, I, I feel like I'm naturally pretty good at. I've never really been someone that's been a bashful person. You know, I think that they were kind of expecting that, you know, just a guy from a farm in Oklahoma was going to be culture shocked really hard. I believe that I'm born to do what I'm doing. And so everything has came relatively smooth when it comes to the music, so I'm I'm grateful for that.
0: Do you want to know my two cents on it? Give it to me. All right. You've got an incredible voice. You've got you. a lot of talent, and you deserve everything that's coming to you. But I think the thing about you is when you walk into a room, the ability you have to immediately own it is that smile of yours. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's not fair. I wish I could smile like that. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. Well, and, I thank well, you. Your smile is like a cheek to cheek smile. Like it, it lights yeah. up the room.
2: <laughs> you don't mess around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Either you smile or you don't. Is that your advice to the the listening world?
2: That's pretty much pretty much it. There's really just like two options. So.
1: <laughs> but the, this is what I found was also super fascinating, especially with your audition. You're wearing all black and that black yeah. hat. And, so then you get this. Rocker harder person, but then you smile, and it's it's like two different worlds that come together. Yeah, that's the I thing.
0: That. That's he's he's yeah. screwing with us, Leslie, because he comes out in <laughs> yes. an all black, and we expect like the Johnny Cash, and I don't know the doom yes. and gloom, and then he hits us with that smile, and he confuses us, and we like him for it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yes, and then you yeah. want to know more about him.
0: Exactly <laughs> yeah. that he talks it's about goats.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a conundrum isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is that was one thing that I, I got told to me by a producer they're like when you perform you have this presence about you and you have this look about you and like have this eeriness and kind of like you expect one thing and then you open your mouth and you're like the nicest guy and you have a big smile and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff And and at the time I took it as a compliment, but I think it actually was kind of off-putting to this particular woman because she was like, I want you to be a bad guy and like cuss and break things and go full on rock star and, you know, act like one. And I'm just like a goofy, nice guy. And so that, I think that that may have hurt my chance with Hollywood.
0: (laughs) Oh, well they're lost. I guess. Yeah.
1: Are your fans asking you about farming?
2: Oh, constantly. I feel like we want new music and how are the baby goats are the most (laughs) constant questions that I receive.
0: All right. So that puts you in a unique position, right? Because uh, Leslie's and I goal with this is try to reach outside of agriculture to the air quotes consumer and, you know, kind of explain to them that, hey, you know, a goat farm is not a bad place. We treat our goats nice. The stuff that you're going to buy in the grocery store, or the goat meat or the goat cheese is going to be safe. Here you have that consumer audience. Uh, have you found it hard to explain all that stuff to them?
2: I've always been somebody that's very passionate about agriculture. I've been raised in it my entire life. That's what I was going to college for before I found music. I've always been super passionate and very outspoken about my stance on things. In agriculture. And I have had many, many, many conversations with fans that they just have things twisted and they need educated on things. I usually keep quiet on little topics and stuff like that. But if I have somebody directly message me and they're like, hey, I need an opinion on dairy farms, whatever it may be, humane living situations and, mm-hmm. in barns where hogs are raised, whatever it may be and I give opinions and stuff. And I think it's been really cool to, you know, somebody that you're jamming to listen to music and then you message them asking them about like a cow, you know, So it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's weird. And I'm, I'm really glad that I am capable of answering those questions to so many people that are just kind of oblivious to the actual grinding of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're reaching audiences outside of egg. And that's something that Rob and I are trying to do. So what, advice would you give to farmers who are trying to connect with people outside of agriculture?
2: To have a conversation with people instead of talking at them. I think there's a difference between just having a conversation with somebody and literally just like, hey, I'm going to inform you and something like that, and then you can kind of make your own decision accordingly. Anyway, it's, it's really just about education. I, I literally am shocked constantly about how just oblivious nine out of 10 people are of where their food comes from. I think just education is key and going into it with a, a good attitude. I think that's probably your winner.
0: Leslie, did you catch when he was talking there? He's instead of like, well, I would say, right. Growing up in all the mm-hmm. FFA and farm bureaus that people are idiots. He just said their opinions were twisted. I, I picked up hey. on that <laughs> automatically. Yes, you're right. <laughs> it, you know, it just, obviously they just don't know.
2: Yeah. It is. It's just an ignorance. Hmm.
0: Like when you were growing up as little Trevor, I mean, were you guys farming then?
2: Yeah. My papa, which is my grandpa, my nan's husband, literally from the time that I was walking, he had some animal in front of me. <laughs> my parents, they really weren't involved in farming. And it was really my grandparents that encouraged it and supported it. And not that my parents didn't, but they They were the ones that constantly had cow or goat or chickens and ducks or whatever it Mm -hmm. may be in front of me. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it all stemmed from is from my papa putting uh, basically any kind of animal that he can in front of me. And and then I took the reins at some point.
0: Okay, that shoots my theory. Because I was thinking, you know, maybe you came to it later, and then you understood as someone that wasn't farming that it's maybe just not knowing stuff. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, you just prove that you're a better person than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Leslie, Leslie Kelly. Yeah. All right, we've got Trevor on, right? I sang a little bit on this podcast.
1: No, don't make me sing.
0: Uh, yeah, Honestly, I mean, <laughs> you know, Trevor and I have been texting here during the interview, and he says, it would really hurt my feelings if Leslie did not sing.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Uh, why? I'm all, like, hot now.
0: <laughs> Do you want all want to sing together?
2: <laughs>
0: it, may, sure. it may be delayed I'm... from Oklahoma.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Saskatchewan sidebar off that i have friends in canada that i've met from the show there's a, a cattle vet named cody curlman oh yeah former I've, guest yeah yeah wow. i've become, I've become <clears throat> friends uh through social media with him and a um sheep farmer named sandy brock never heard of her and oh my oh my really? god you should absolutely have her on your show and tell her no. that Trev recommended her because she is awesome. Sandy raises like Sandy Sandy Brock. Brock. I I mean, that that sounds
0: unstable. I I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not thinking that's the type of person that we want to have on our show ever.
2: She raises like 400 (laughs) sheep year round in a giant barn indoors, and they never go outside. No, and it's like the first time I've ever seen that.
0: No, this uh, she doesn't sound stable to me.
2: She, well,
0: she's raising That's funny. sheep for the first first off. So, <laughs> That's, see, you just proved my point. <laughs>
1: okay, I think then that calls for well, because I was just at a Garth Brooks song. Um, I could sing "Friends in Low Places." Hey, I know the word.
0: I knew some words to that. Trevor, you probably Go don't know it. that song, do you?
2: Oh yeah, I, I was raised on Garth. Okay, he's from okay, Oklahoma.
0: Well, well, are you ready?
2: Yes, he is.
0: And a one. And a two? Well, I guess Dang I was it. wrong. What? I just what? No. don't belong. Long. I don't know that. But then... You... Leslie, you were screwing us up so bad. <laughs> Do you want to sing the chorus?
1: Yes, I said the chorus.
0: All right. Ready?
1: Okay. Uh,
0: I got friends in,
1: in low places, places
0: where, the, where whiskey. the
1: whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> on social graces. They go flip <laughs> on down to the oasis because <laughs> I got friends <laughs> in low places.
0: That's fantastic, Leslie. Very nice. Well done. (laughs) Yes. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor McBain from out there in uh, Savannah, Oklahoma, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and everybody else. We hope you catch us next time.